Welcome to the Dental Master Series podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Vandermolen. This podcast is dedicated to helping you become the best version of yourself, both personally and professionally. Throughout the series, you will have the opportunity to hear and hear and learn from people who have reached high levels of success in life and in dentistry. And most importantly, these same people also genuinely want you to be able to do the same. I'm so honored to have with me today, Dr. John Phillips as our guest today. Welcome, John. Hey, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited uh, to be visiting with you this evening. Great. Um, so um, I just want to share a little bit about uh, Dr. Phillips before we get started. Uh, Dr. Phillips is a lifelong resident of Chickasha, Oklahoma, and I want to say that I'm one of the few people that doesn't live in Oklahoma that knows how to say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, John? That's right. Chickasha gets butchered all the time. All the time. Um, so Dr. Phillips achieved his Doctor of Dental Surgery degree in, in June of 1996 and then opened his practice from scratch in the same year. Imagine that, opening scratch. That, that took a lot of, lot of guts there. He, he was voted the Crown Council Young Dentist of the Year in 1998, uh, which opened doors for him to learn directly from top restorative and cosmetic dentists throughout the United States. That extensive training includes valuable time spent with uh, LA dentist Dr. Bill Dorfman, known for his work in ABC's Extreme Makeovers, and at the Dawson Center in Florida and uh, with advanced courses in occlusion. Today, Dr. Phillips is extremely qualified in all areas of general dentistry, dental implants, full mouth rehabilitation, and cosmetic dentistry. He's also a celebrated national speaker, a consultant for several top tier dental manufacturers, and the author of multiple published pieces in respective dental journals. He continually strives to stay on the cutting edge of new technologies and techniques in the field. Dr. Phillips has amassed an incredible amount of knowledge and skill through his private practice in Oklahoma, which he transformed into one of the most profitable and productive dental offices in the country. And dentists who know him are always impressed by his relentless drive and commitment when it comes to maximizing production management. His team of 30, including three doctors and five hygienists, has a well-oiled machine. Just on a personal note, I want to tell you that I've known uh, John for over 10 years. I've been to his office several times, um, and it's an operational site to behold. He's got a wonderful family. He's an avid hunter and a rancher. Uh, he never slows down, and, he, and I really appreciate him taking time out of his busy life uh, to share some insights with us today. So thanks again, John. I really appreciate you, and, um, and I'd like to get started. Um, as we're recording this, it's April 1st, uh, 2020. Uh, we're right in the middle of, middle of the COVID-19 uh, crisis. Um, John's going to be sharing with us uh, a lot of things about how he's built a big practice and, and, and help everybody do that. I uh, just want to spend a, a few minutes, John, with you just before we get into that, because obviously that's really important. But just we're in the middle of this. So states have basically told us not to see anybody except for emergencies. I just got a message on my phone that in Illinois it's going to extend until the end of the month. You know, other states are into... May and even some into June. Um, you know what? What kind of things should we be uh, preparing for? What are you What are you doing in your practice? Well, that's a that that is a great question because uh, the world, as we know it, is just shutting down, and the world of dentistry is is shutting down. And so, what is it that you could do um, to get ready? And you know, when I think of the Great Depression that my grandparents lived through. That's what I think about with this coronavirus. I do believe that this is going to be like a once-in-a-lifetime event that that everybody, whether it's my kids or 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 my generation, our generation, Matt, or my dad, they're they're all going to remember that the world slowed down and and for a lot of us it's stopping. And so how do we how do we get ready for that? Everything we're going to talk about tonight is good, um, and it is relative to now whether whether now is April 1st or now is this summer or now is this fall, everything we're going to visit with is, is going to be definitely without question applicable. And so when I think about why now, and I think about April 1st, April Fool's Day in the next month, I'm probably not going to be seeing or doing hardly any dentistry other than emergencies. And that's how you are, Matt, right? Right. That's right. And, and so when we think about that, you got to stop and take a deep breath and say, okay, maybe 
for the first time in a long time, I can really start getting my head wrapped around what do I want my practice to be like. And so if you think about a, a, a you you think about sports, and I love sports and an NFL team, and you think about they play the, uh, you, you know, especially in the Super Bowl, they play the first quarter, and then they play the second quarter. Now they prepared for two or three weeks just for that game. They got the best of the best players, the best of the best coaches. That's why they made it to the Super Bowl. But here we are. And we've, we're done with the first quarter and the second quarter. Now what do we have? We have a pause called halftime. And those players are not out there watching the, the halftime festivities. No, they're in there studying and getting ready for the second half. And that's what I'm thinking about now because I've never had a chance to take a pause of four, five, six weeks. And so relish this and, and wrap your head around, okay, what, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight, Matt. What is it that we're going to be doing to get ready for the next six months, to get ready for the next three months? And and so so we're at halftime now, or we're, we're in intermission. We're in the coronavirus intermission. And it's really been good for me uh, a lot of ways. We've, we've cleaned out a bunch of stuff at the office, number one. Number two, I got with my associates, and we we're, we're now are looking at Every single system that we do, the system for placing composites, a system for doing root canals, a system for prepping crowns, a system for taking intraoral camera pictures. And, and, and so that's one thing I've challenged my associate doctors on is let's get better while we're down. Don't, don't just sit around and play video games or something, right? Just let's, let's make the most out of our time. Um, so, so John, uh, I love your analogy about the, about the halftime because um, in a lot of ways, that's it. I mean, we're getting bombarded with all this stuff we're trying to figure out, you know, with the COVID-19. Um, but as that settles and we're just sort of hunkering down, um, you know, it's time time to plan. And you know, I'm like you. I, I've never even had more than uh, two weeks off from the practice at all for vacation or anything like that. So this has really been uh, really kind of surreal. Um, but it is a good time to plan and it's a good time to um, work with, uh, with your team. And, and, uh, I just wanted to, to, to mention that, uh, you know, as in this time, we all should be leaders and you definitely, definitely want to think of yourself as a servant leader and, and, you know, look out for your staff, look out for your doctors, uh, make sure that, um, that you're there as a leader in your practice for peace of mind. Um, absolutely. I think that's so important that we stay in communication and, and try to work through things and, and plan things and, and come up with what's our practice going to look like, uh, you know, when we get back and, and, and quarterly and so on. Um, but for right now, I uh, definitely want to focus on uh, keeping peace of mind with your, with your team and so that they're around uh, when you're ready to get things jump-started. And, and Matt, that's a good point. I called them last, last weekend and I, I specifically called each one of my 33 employees awesome. and I talked to them for 15 to 20 minutes and, mm-hmm. and just to let them know that, uh, you know, this is just for a short period of uh, a window of time that's, that's going to pass. And, and so I explained to them the vision of the, of our practice. I explained to them where we're going and, and, you know, we're seeing a whopping one to two emergency patients a day right now. Right. And so, so this is not, not the norm and none of this is normal. And so I wanted them to, to make sure that they, they heard me and that I reached out to them and that I'm there to care for them in any way, uh, make sure all their needs are met uh, during this certain uncertain time. So that's good stuff. All right. Well, great. That's awesome. Um, so let's look forward. Let's let's talk a little bit. Um, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, I have a big practice. You have a big practice. We have several other dentists that we know and kind of hang around with over the years. We've gotten to know that have big practices, and and um, you know, there's always sort of these uh, myths about what a big practice is. And, and uh, can you discuss that a little bit? Because even though there's more and more communication through the internet and through different um, you know, social groups, dental social groups and things like that about what people do. There's still a lot of uh, misconceptions about uh, what it's like to really have a, a big practice with uh, 30 people like, like yours. Well, when, when you think about it, there's a lot of things that people, people, they think about, they, they think, man, if I have a big practice, you know, maybe, maybe I have to work harder. Okay. And I'm going to just work myself to death. Uh, maybe, maybe possibly uh, I'm going to have to tolerate more stress. It's, 
you know, I, I have two employees now. If I get three, it's going to be more stress. If I get five or 10 or 15, it's going to be more stress. And I, I don't believe that. Um, the, the, the other one that I hear all the time is, wow, these great big corporate offices or, or great big mom and pop offices, whatever they are, the, the quality of care is not very good. Now, I've actually fallen into this trap about 20 years ago. And, and man, it, it's so humbling and eye-opening to see that there are big practices out there doing beautiful dentistry, very, very high quality dentistry. And they're almost like what I call a dental hospital where they, they have um, a great hygiene program. They may even have somebody that does a lot of wisdom teeth, somebody that does a lot of endo, somebody that does a lot of anterior stuff or somebody that does a lot, a lot of implants, but it's, it's really, really, uh, I, I think a misconception that you can't do beautiful dentistry. I know a lot of guys that that are doing magazine quality, beautiful dentistry, and you're one of them, Matt. I've, I've been to your office, and and so um, I I don't I I think there are a lot of misconceptions. I don't think uh, I I don't think that a lot of people can wrap their head around number one. If you don't know what you don't know, you don't realize that man that that having ten 10 employees might even be harder than having 30 because with 30 with proper delegation now things there are no loose ends that's that's really what i'm trying to say there's no loose ends right. and so and so Matt one thing that that i love about Dave Ramsey is is Dave Ramsey said something once he said a true business is a business that 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 works great when you're not there if you if you were to buy a convenience store or or buy a business or restaurant or whatever, and you have to be there, then you didn't really buy a business. You bought yourself a job and there's a difference. And so, and so we're at the point now, and I know you are, that if I take a week off, um, you know, in the, uh, a couple months ago, my wife and I celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary and I took two weeks off and our practice didn't miss a lick. That's awesome. And so that, that's the definition of a true business. Now, Unfortunately, people think they got to work harder, have more stress, or the quality of care is compromised. But that's called micromanaging, and and that's also um, not a true business. That's when the owner thinks he has to have his hand in every single cookie jar, and that just isn't the case. So, John, so why don't you um, run down? I know you outlined a few things. So, why don't um, before I start asking questions about some of these things, but why don't you just outline sort of the the bullet points, if you would of having basically a highly productive and large practice. What what are some of those points? Well, you'd ask, you know, you and I had talked ahead of time and I just wrote some stuff down. When, when I think about every single highly productive practice I've ever run into, there are some things that stick out. And, and like one characteristic is their people. It's their team. Uh, Number one is their team is motivated. Uh, That's attitude. Okay. And there's there's things that come in, there's things that take place that that would help them to be attitude to, to have the proper attitude to be motivated, and that that is has to do with the culture. Their team is talented. They've got they've got the the ability to be a talented team. So so we have attitude, we have ability, and the third thing about the team is they're highly trained. That's aptitude. And so when you when you think about it about your team, that's you know, are they motivated? Are they talented? And are they trained? And so that's one characteristic. You want me to keep going? Well, that's, I mean, uh, just on, on, on team, that's, you're exactly right. And, and uh, you know, in dentistry, we're always trying to hire people. And, and I think the biggest mistake that the dentists do is they look immediately for, you know, okay, well, wherever they work, what, what dental office have you worked in before? And what I'm, my team leaders, they do all the hiring and I always tell them that they're looking for basically, is this a smart person and do they have a great attitude? Um, Oh man, that's good. That's right. Because you can train a person that's smart and has a good attitude. And, um, you know, you can't, you can't, you know, you bring up motivation and, and I, you know, you can't, what I would say is you can't motivate somebody you have to hire somebody that's already motivated. And, and, and maybe you can do some things and you can read some books and try to say, what can I do to motivate this person? But that's a lot of work. So, you know, for instance, Disney. Disney does not motivate their employees. They hire people that are already motivated. I mean, yeah, that's a great you're one. You're not smiling when you walk in the door. 
we're not going to teach you how to smile. That's, you know, that's right. So, so I think that's a real important thing. Um, and, and I know dentists that have taken, um, people from Starbucks that are you know, serving up their lattes or whatever. And they're like, man, that person's, they're remembering all the, the little details of what that order was to put in that cup and they're smiling, they're happy. I think that person would make a great dental assistant, or I think that person would make a great, uh, front desk office person. And why? Because they've noticed that person has an attitude and they're smart. And so that's what we're really looking for. Matt, Matt, how many employees have you hired that had zero experience in dentistry? Uh, multiple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Multiple. Obviously a hygienist, you know, you know, but hygienists are unique and, and I like to get hygienists right out of school if we can. Um, because again, we're looking, are they smart and do they have a great attitude? And then they have a certain skill set, right? That they have to pass their boards. But after that, um, you know, they're just like everybody else. So, well, yeah, yeah. And, and you, you have to hire by higher by attitude. And so I, I bet we have 18 or 19 employees that had no previous experience in dentistry. And so that's, that's a good one. Well, I know they found a good uh, practice with you. you so. Well, so what else? Well, what, what, what are some other characteristics? Okay. Well, I, I, I made a bunch of notes, so we'll move through these. Uh, another characteristic of every highly productive practice that I've ever run is they have strong scheduling systems. And, and so uh, let's speak on that for just a second. I know we've got a lot to get through. Um, I think about, I have, have one person that's in charge of hygiene, one person that's in charge of the, of, of two doctors and one person that's in charge of my skit, my, my schedule. We, when I think of scheduling systems, I think about, do we have a goal? Is the goal broken down? You know, what does that look like? taste like, feel like, how can we stick to our playbook? And when I think of a scheduling system, I think of it as a playbook. This is how we're going to win. This is how the game is going to be played. And these are the plays that are going to, that we're going to run. And guess what? If, if one play doesn't quite work, well, we're going to remember that next time we're going to run a different play. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and so new patient flow is way up there for me. Uh, a new patient flow and case acceptance strategy. We'll kind of put those together. When I think of new patients, I need a steady stream of new patients, but then if the case acceptance strategy goes right along with that, because a new patient may come into my practice as a toothache, they may come into my practice. They may call wanting their, just their teeth cleaned, or they may call wanting a comprehensive exam or they, they want a sedation consult. Right. And so we lots of ways a patient can come into our practice. It's our job to listen. It's our job to listen to those patients and determine, because if the patient comes in and if they call up and they say, hey, I need to get my teeth clean, well, they may need a lot more, but what they're asking for is what they should get. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because, um, you know, you're in a, a, rural, a rural area. I'm in kind of around central Illinois too. And there's just a lot of people that, um, you know, they, their, their dental education is such that they, they only, they may, they may come in for, Hey, I've got this tooth doc and it needs to come out and you look at it and go, yeah, you're right. And and you've seen all kinds of other things, but you got to address that one tooth and help them out because if you don't, you're not going to get their trust. And they're certainly not, and they certainly know that you're not listening to them. If you go put them through an hour and a half, uh, full comprehensive exam, because that's what we do. Uh, that's what we do. That's a huge mistake. And, 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 and for those of you who don't know John Phillips, John Phillips, he, he's in a rural area. I mean, um, but he's got one of the, he, he, he's doing tons of very sophisticated dentistry. He's doing the all on whatever's, um, a lot of them more than most dentists will do in their whole lifetime. He's done in the last couple of years. And so listen to what he's saying here is he's not, he's not sitting there looking for, the all on whatever cases he's listening to the patient and that patient that wants the one tooth out might become an all on whatever case sometimes. So absolutely. I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up, John. That's yeah. Yeah. And, and when I think about a case acceptance strategy, we like to tell patients exactly what they need, but give them what they want. And, Perfect. and, and, you know, they, they may need all their teeth taken out. They may, they may need a bunch of dental implants or they may need a bunch of crown and bridge, but if they don't understand it or if they're just in pain or if they just can't wrap their mind around it now because they got a bunch of kids they're putting through college or about to go into college, whatever, right. that's where active listening comes in. And what can come from that 
is the big T word. And you already mentioned it, Matt, that's trust. And once you gain the trust, maybe some will do it now, some will do it later. And so what? It doesn't matter. Uh, We're a busy practice. We're here to take care of our patients and to love on them and to tell them exactly what they need, but cheerfully give them what they want. It's their mouth and it's their health. And so the case acceptance strategy, there's it's active listening to your patients. It's actively following up with your patients. And so um, that that's a huge strategy to, to us. And the next one right along with that would be a productive treatment mix. And, you know, you know, Matt, I know you do dental implants. I know you do a ton of different disciplines of dentistry, oral surgery, bone grafting. You know, the days of a patient going to the dentist and the dentist only doing what's called bread and butter dentistry, those days are gone. Patients want to go to one place and get it all done. And we've been doing sedation dentistry for 22 years. And because of that, we can do 99% of the stuff that's out there. And guess what? That's what they want. Um, They don't want to go to a place to get their root canal done, a place to get their crown done, a place to get their implant done, a place to get their perio surgery done. You know, they want to have it all done in one place. And and, uh, I I know that's what you do. And I, I think that's overlooked many times. Every highly productive practice offers a ton of different treatment. We, we call it a productive treatment mix. And then lastly, um, every highly productive practice I've ever been in, and I've been in a bunch of them, I know you have, they're efficient. Yes. And when I think of efficiency, um, we do six-handed dentistry where I have an assistant on both sides of me and I never turn around. And so because of that, I only do what I'm what I have a license to do. I, I don't change the birds out. My assistants do that. I I don't turn around and grab something. My assistants do that. Everything is patient-centered right over the patient's chest and the patient's head. I work at the 12 o'clock position. And because of that, everything's out. We're efficient and we can do a lot of dentistry in a short amount of time. And so uh, between a productive treatment mix and efficient dentistry, um, I, I, I just think that that every single highly productive practice, they've got to be doing a lot of different things and they've got to do it fast. Now, I didn't say quality has to suffer. If quality suffers, I'm out. I don't want to do it. Right, right. Yeah. You want to sleep at night. <laughs> you know? uh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and what you definitely don't want to do when you're moving fast is you don't want to do stuff over. Um, and, and that's the key. And that's what, and that's what I emphasize to my staff is that we don't want to do it over. We want to do it that's once. a That's a good point. That's a great point because my associate doctors know that if we see something at a, at a patient's hygiene appointment, or if we see something uh, down the road that we don't like, we redo it for free right. within five years. It's got to be good. Uh, you know, and, and we do all the check steps to make sure that it's good. Like the, the day we deliver a crown, we take x-rays and verify that it's down all the way. And we, we don't cut any corners there. But, but you know, if, if the patient isn't happy, uh, we fix it. If we don't like it radiographically or down the road, we fix it. And I give my associate doctors and my lab knows that this is the game that we play. And, and we do high quality dentistry, period. It makes it easy. It makes it much easier to do it that way. Um, that way you're not always making excuses. There you go. So, there you go. So, so you've listed some great things. So what are, so, and people are uh, taking notes or if they're not, they go back and take notes on this. This is all awesome stuff, John, but what are the things that they might run into to, to get some of these things going? What, what might okay, block so, them from getting it done? Well, we, I, you asked me to jot some stuff down. We just talked about the six characteristics of every highly productive practice. Now let's flip that over and let's say what, what would be common blockages to, to the highly productive practice? Because there's just three and, and all practices have obstacles or problems or blockages. I have them right now, Matt, you have them right now. You always will have them. You might as well put a smile on your face and get over it right now. Your biggest problem or your biggest blockage is this virus thing. It has shut us all down and we might as well put a smile on our face and regroup, review, review our, our vision and our mission and where we want to go. When you think about blockages, you think about, um, my job, your job, Matt, my job, my team leader's job, 
My team leaders is my core group of people. There's about six of us. Our job is to identify the next blockage. And I don't care what level you're at. If and if if you're a, a practice with five employees or or we gotta talk about numbers. I don't I don't care about numbers that much from this standpoint, whether you're doing fifty thousand a month or or a hundred thousand a month or two hundred and fifty thousand a month or whatever you're doing, I don't care. It doesn't matter what level you're on. You have a blockage in your practice right now. Like this is so important. You need to embrace it and you need to wrap your mind around it. And it's okay. Because as soon as you find that blockage, guess what, Matt? What? There's going to be, there's going to be another blockage. There's <laughs> always right. going to be a, there's smile. always going to be a blockage. Smile right you now. should smile. <laughs> and so here are the three blockages. They can all be all right. fit into one of three categories. You all ready? Yeah. Okay. So blockage number one is new patients. Maybe you don't have enough new patients. Maybe you don't have enough uh, enough new patients calling in. Maybe you have too many new patients coming in and they're running out the back door faster than they're coming in. So what's a good number Maybe, of new patients per doctor? Well, well okay, that's a, that's a loaded question. I don't appreciate you <laughs> putting me on the spot like that because, because it could be a lot of different things. I mean, in my practice, yeah. we want to see six to seven high quality new patient consultations a day. Okay. Now we may throw in some toothaches. We may throw in some new patient cleanings, but I'm talking about, I have two new patient coordinators. All they do is see new patients. That's it. I'd like for them to have uh, each one to have two in the morning and one in the afternoon. And what that looks like is they sit down, they spend two hours with, with each of these uh, new patient consults. We're talking about comprehensive dentistry. So for my practice of 33 employees, we, we, uh, we'll see about a hundred, 110 new patients a month. And, and they're all, uh, you know, that, that, that's how we don't bring them out all in that way. We may only bring half of them in that way. The rest of them, remember, we're giving them what they want. If they call with a toothache, we take care of the toothache. So that's a new patients can be a blockage so easily. Maybe you're not doing enough marketing. Um, maybe, maybe you are, need to drop some insurance companies because you have the wrong kind of new patient coming in. Right. The, another, another blockage is human capital. Well, what does that mean? May, you don't have enough employees. Right. You know, uh, there was a 20 years ago, there was a, a Greg Stanley would talk about the bullpen person. We always have one or two people in the bullpen. So you're playing baseball and the pitchers in the bullpen pen and they're getting warmed up. They're not even in the game yet, but they're getting warm up, warmed up. So we always want one or two people in the bullpen. Well, what does that mean? That could be a new person with a great attitude that has no previous experience in dentistry. And we start them in sterilization. Then we put them in a rotation through hygiene. Then we put them in a rotation through dental assisting. Then they spend a rotation in with our lab and then maybe up front. Uh, and we find out real quick where these people want to be. And so there's always someone ready to step up. When that pitcher goes down, there's another pitcher ready to go. So is that a blockage in your practice? Do you, do you need another person answering the phone? Maybe you don't have a new patient blockage. Maybe you don't have enough people answering the phone. Right. That's a, that's a terrible blockage. Maybe the person answering the phone, you need to get rid of them because they're terrible on the phone. Maybe they would be much better, much better working, um, um, you know, maybe, maybe for, for a garbage man or something, I don't know, but not in your office, get them out of there. Right. But so when you think about blockages, new patients can be a blockage, human capital employees, that's a huge blockage. And the third one is space and equipment. Maybe you're listening to this and you have four operatories and you need six, maybe you have six and you need 12, maybe you have six and you need eight space and equipment. Maybe you have six operatories and you don't need to add physically more space. You just need to extend your hours. And so when I talk about all blockages fit into these three categories, they really do, Matt. New patients, human capital, space and equipment. Right. But, but every time our team leaders, every time we get together, I ask this question, okay, what's our blockage? And if I was to say to Matt Vandermolen right now, I'd say, Matt, what is your blockage in your practice? What's your top one, two, or three blockages right now? And, and, and what's the most pressing issue you have? You need to, you may say, you know what, you know what, John, we, we're, we're down a little bit on new patients. I might say, Matt, then when was the last time you revisited your marketing? When was the last time you, 
You may be put in some type of call tracker to see how many times the phone was ringing. Maybe it's a marketing issue. Maybe it's the person up front. Right, or even having, even listening to the calls for the there's services that you can get or there's phone systems that you can use to actually listen to some calls. That's right. That's, mommy, that's right. And have your front desk even just say, out of everybody that's calls and is not an existing patient, how many of them became patients? Or how many did you make an appointment for to become a new patient? Um, and it's as simple as through a tabulation at the front. So there's a lot of things you can do. Yep. And, Absolutely. and just so, and, and you, you danced around the new patient thing a little bit, but I, I just want to, I just offer in my practice, which um, we see uh, people all shapes, sizes, whatever. Um, I, what me, what I like to see is I want to see at least 30 new patients per doctor that we have. Um, and, you know, we've got, most of the times we have three, we have four doctors now, but, you know, I, you know, it ends up being about over a hundred new patients a month for you know, a three doctor office. So. Um, so just so between 30 and 50, um, but you, but like you said, you could be overrun. Um, I know there's dentists in uh, California now that have Delta Dental and it's just, it's a horrible plan now because they've cut, um, cut the reimbursement, uh, an incredible amount. And so now a lot of dentists are dropping and the dentists that have it still are being overrun in their practices. And so that you don't want that. You don't want to be overrun with people that aren't, aren't going to be able to pay you your, your decent fees. So. Um, but just so a good number to do that. And I heard a statistic the other day, and I, I think it's pretty accurate actually, is um, when you um, look at your operatories, um, is it pretty much works out that you, and from practices that I've seen and I've looked at and the numbers that they're doing, is that you're pretty well going to be maxed out at about $500,000 per year per operatory. And so, like you said, if you mentioned that you, that you have a four operatory office, um, you, you'd be doing really, really well to be doing $2 million out of that practice. I mean, that would mean expanded hours that you've done everything possible to make that work. Um, but it is possible. Um, and so, but if you don't have the operatories, you can't do it. So. Oh, that's true. That That is true. One, one thing that goes right along this, I, I keep saying this, and I wrote this down, you know, Matt, your job and my job is to always look for those blockages or those challenges. But how often does your team or your team leaders meet and and discuss these issues? We we talked about an NFL team that um, you know you know they have a halftime to where they all regroup and they talk about stuff. How many dentists out there, Matt? Do you think go to work and they never stop and have a meeting? They never stop and talk about the vision. They never stop and talk about the blockages, and they never share any of their concerns with their team. Do you, do you think though there's a lot of practices out there that just go to work and that's it? <laughs> well, I have several uh, offices that um, come um, and watch what we do. And just as a starter, they're always amazed at our morning huddle, how that, that works. And, um, and just so even at that level, um, if you're not meeting at least at the beginning of your day, going over your day, that's a, that's a good starting point. Uh, of course, meeting about other long-term plans, about what's your month going to look like, what, what's your year going to look like, that's a whole different thing. But, uh, you know, I think the common uh, myth is, is that we, meetings just waste time and, and nobody's listening. But, again, um, you know, I think uh, the doctor has to be the leader in this. And uh, I know you want to talk a little bit about, you know, what the doctor's influence is on, on all this. And so why, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Oh gosh, yeah. So, so you know when, yeah. I mean, you just you hit the nail right, right, right on the head because um, what what part does the does the doctor play? Um, I, I I know you talk about this too, but I think about office culture, and you know I think about things like a bonus system, uh, a morning meeting, a weekly meeting, a monthly meeting. Uh, team leaders. Uh, when I think about office culture or the vision, and I take a deep breath and I really, really think about it, Matt, are you genuinely excited when your team is successful? Are you excited for your team to be successful? Yeah, I mean that's and that's really uh, that's our culture, um, and that's actually um, what our culture is. Is we're focused on. Um, and that's what this uh, podcast is focused on, becoming the best version of yourselves. 
And so, um, and this is my way of doing this podcast is extending that beyond my own business, my own uh, team. Uh, and that's what I'm always um, preaching about is our job is to become the best version of ourselves. And the way you do that is to help other people become the best version of themselves. There you go. And uh, so absolutely. And, and I just several years ago, I came to that realization that if I was going to get anywhere in business, that really um, my main focus is actually on my team. Um, you know, so you might argue, well, you know, we're there for patients. We're supposed to be taking care of patients. Patients are number one. Well, um, I'm going to say no, that, that really it's your team that's number one. It's yourself and your team. And guess what? If you're all making yourselves better, who's going to benefit? The patients. So the patient and the patients feel that. I mean, when I go into an office and I visit several, like, like you say, and I know you visit several offices, the minute you walk in the door, you can feel you can feel the energy in an office that's got it going on. I mean, the first time you I just went, know, don't you? The first time I went into your office, there was energy. You could tell. You could see it right in the eyes of the people at the front. You could see it in the patients that were sitting around. They were like, "Oh, we're we're in, we're in a pretty good place here." So. It, and, and that takes some work to get there. And a lot of stuff that you've already talked about gets you there. Um, but to me, that's, that's, that's what I'm feeling about when, I, when I'm in there. That's, that's our culture, but that's, that's the success story that I have in my own practice. And I know you feel the same way about yours. Yeah. yeah. And, and so let's just run through some things because if you're, if you're the doctor and you're going to influence your office, you're, you've got to be excited for your team. You got to be excited to grow your team and you got to be excited to step back and watch your team win, you know, and, and, and that's huge. And, and so I talk to my associate doctors all the time. I, I, I say, you know, are you willing to come, come in a little bit early or to work through lunch to help your team hit goal? Right. Are you, you know, and, and so Matt, I got to ask you some other questions and I, I mean, you asked me to write this stuff down. So I'm, I'm throwing them right back at you, my friend, <laughs> you know, so, so, so would, would anybody listening to this, would you be willing to add another team member if you needed it? If you had a, had a, if that was your blockage was, was human capital, maybe a new front desk person, maybe a sterilization coordinator, maybe someone in back. Okay. Are you willing to add another provider? Man, you know, maybe maybe the schedule is booked so far out. You need another doctor. Right. Okay, here's another one, Matt. Are are you are you willing to add more hours or space? And and you know, you think about all these things. They're there for one reason: is to help your team succeed and hit goal. Right. Because when, when we talked about attitude, and and you know, having having a good team culture. Well, that's how the doctor directly affects it. When the team says, wow, that doctor, he, he, he's like the coach and he wants us to s- succeed so bad. He's going to teach us the plays and he's going to help us learn the skills and, and, and he's going to make sure that, that we have good competition. But at the end of the day, he's our biggest cheerleader as well. And, and, Absolutely. you know, I, I know I'm preaching the choir here, Matt, but, but if we can work hard to help our team succeed, help each individual person grow. And, and, you know, I've been doing this a long time and now I have kind of a new blockage or a new worry. And that's what if I have four or five employees that are, that might, might've kind of maxed out. Well, what do I mean by maxed out? Maybe their next step would be to go open another office somewhere else. And they run that office because they can do anything in dentistry. Have, have you ever thought about that, Matt, from the standpoint that, well, if you have four or five employees that have gone as far as they can go inside your building, what would their next step be? And if it's truly about your team, how do you put them in a situation where they never quit growing? Right. I, and I, you know, that's, that, that's a popular thing to do is to, to bring on other practices now. Um, but um, <laughs> you have to have people that really know, know their stuff. And, and be leaders, and you have to have systems that those people have down cold, um, so that it can be transferred to another situation. And uh, absolutely. Uh, and then the cool thing about having leadership in your practice, and, and my practice is is a, is a practice full of leaders, and then there's this too. And we talked about, um, you know, that uh, having human capital, having having that on deck uh, uh, hitter 
Um, I, I do zap for years. I always tell my, I'm telling my leaders all the time anyway, I'm, I'm always worried about the bus. And the bus is, what happens if so-and-so gets hit by a bus? What's next? And they all laugh and they say it's a little morbid, but, but I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I'm worried because things happen. Uh, you know, people get sick, they move, uh, they get pregnant for a short amount of time. Um, you know, who knows what happens? And so, you know, you're never guaranteed what's, what's, what's tomorrow. And so to have that on deck uh, battery is, is so smart of you to, to be doing that. Um, and, and having all the training uh, and having your leadership working through all these things. And, um, you know, I always talk about train, 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 because you can't assume that everybody just remembers everything all the time. So, um, so even if you have no visions of, of expanding in other places, I would say that your best people um, are going to be your best trainers and that um, that never gets old. Um, it's because what's exciting about that and is that not only are they training, but these people are, are mentors, they're leaders. Um, so there's a lot of satisfaction, um, I think, in that role, or I would hope they would get satisfaction that they're building up their team. Um, as a matter of fact, it was interesting because I have one team leader. Uh, she voiced me, she, she's the assistant team leader, so she's a clinical team leader. And she's a little concerned. She says, you know, you know my, one of my team members can do things better than I can. I mean, they have surgical skills that I, I know I can't do as well as them. I said, well, that's awesome. Because, you know, you could step in and do some things, but that's not your job. Your job is to lift people up and get a lot better. And you have to remember, you know, the guy, that the coach that's sitting in the dugout, he's not better than any of his players. I mean, at one time, he might have been a star or whatever. But I'm, as, as time has gone on and training has gone on and all the technologies we have, there's not too many coaches that are sitting in the dugout thinking that they're anywhere close to the players that they have. And they don't want them to be. So... Uh, so I think it's a really wonderful thing when you get sort of at the top of the that, uh, top of the ladder and, and 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 build other people up. Yeah, but listen, I don't. I, you mentioned something that has got. We've got to make sure we hit on this because you said it twice there. Having a team that your office is a safe environment. Yes. And it has to be a safe environment because what you said tw- two different times under your breath was you said that that your team your person. You had a team leader train somebody how to do something and they did it better than them. Yes. And that team leader's got to feel good enough about the cause, good enough about the culture, good enough about the practices to say, wow, I trained you how to do this. And now you're more talented at that than I am. And that's okay. And when it's truly a safe environment like that, then you have leaders and not micromanagers. Because see, if I thought for a minute I was going to train you how to do something and you might do do it better than me, now I'm a little bit introverted and I don't well what what if what if you're better at at it at it than me? Well then 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 I may be less of a human being or or they may not need me anymore or 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 uh they might take my job or and you know if you create that safe environment with the proper culture, you you mentioned that twice, with what you just said. I think it's and, so important, and, and we're not going to talk a whole lot, a lot about associate doctors. But the same thing, one of the things that I see where associate where where doctors tell me I just can't hold on to associate doctors, and one of the big things is is that senior doctor just they spend so much time trying to be better than um, their new doctor that it just falls apart, and and you want. You bring, you were talking about, you know, that, that I love that what you were saying, sort of a dental hospital. And if you're a big practice, I mean, and me personally, I'm talking about me personally now, there's certain things in dentistry that I'm really, really good at. But there's other stuff that not so, not so great at in comparison. Um, I'm certainly good, but maybe, maybe more so that I just really don't enjoy it that much. But if I can bring someone else in and say, hey, here's what I want to have done, and here's some training and all that, does it bother me that if an associate doctor is way better at, molar root canals in me? Heck no. So, um, so I think, you know, as, as a leader in dentistry, you want to be a leader for your associate doctors. And um, that way they're going to stay around a lot longer and then you might even become a partner. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to feel, number one, it starts with how do you feel about you? And, sure. and, uh, and, and that's, that's pretty, well, well, you had asked me to, to, to hit on a bunch of things and that, I mean, I wouldn't plan on going this direction. It's really interesting that you, that this came here, but your team's got to feel safe. Your doctors have to feel safe. And, uh, that's, that's good, Matt. Yeah. Um, 
So you want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, your mentors. Obviously, I mean, when I read your bio there, it's like, whoa, this guy comes right out of dental school and he just like hit the road running. And, and he must have just had all this, he just must have known all this stuff from Chickasha. Somehow you knew all this stuff and you just tore off. But but you did mention you had several mentors no. along the way and, and I mentioned a few names. But but I mean, what what should someone that's out there and they're trying to go forward, what, what kind of, what things should they be looking for? What kind of, should they do certain training or should they do, um, you know, what, what should they do? Well, I, I think, I think it just ties on to what we said just a minute ago. You, you have to be comfortable with who you are and people don't realize what they know until they realize that they don't know it. You, you don't know what you know until you realize you don't know it. And a lot of people think they know it. And I remember graduating dental school and thinking, man, I've got this. And then we opened a scratch practice and I thought, uh Oh, I don't have this. And so uh, for the first four to five years, I did over 200 hours of CE and every single Friday, um, in the, especially in the fall, I didn't do it so much in the summertime, but in the fall, winter and spring, there was a lot of Fridays. I mean, a lot of Fridays I was in other dental offices and, and so this is what I found is, you know, you, you, you see people out there in the world and you see these people that are, are serious money people. And I'm, I'm talking about they sweat equity. They've done it themselves. And when I talk about mentors, not just people in dentistry, but people in business, and, and Matt, I just see, see some common denominators here is that so many of these, let's talk to talk about dentistry now. So many of these dental offices and that, that are super, super successful, the dentist, he's a positive leader. Right. And, and, and you fit that category. Um, and I know how big your practice is. I know that, uh, it's nice when you're in that position where you practice dentistry because you want to, not because you have to. Right. Um, but I've known you for a long time. And, and so I think those guys that are, are good, they're always going to be positive. The glass is always half full. Number two is, is that when, when I think about my mentors, they've always had a, a strong level of humility. They've never looked at somebody and thought, oh, I'm better than them. They've never looked at anybody and said, oh, why are they this and I'm that. No, they've, they've been very, very humble. Um, and not only humble, but they're willing to help with whatever it is. And some of, some of the most powerful guys I've been around in dentistry, it's, they, they're willing to help you any way they can, no matter what. The, the other thing is that they're open to it. And we talk about this all the time in our practice. We're like, you know, are you open to it? Open to what? Open to change? Are you open to uh, taking a different role in the practice? Whatever it is, are you open to it? Uh, something else is that true leaders, um, uh, so many of my mentors have been extremely polite. They always say please and thank you. And that's something that, um, you, you know, goes so far. Um, people are watching you. And if you're rude to your employees, um, it's going to affect your office. It is. I, I, I don't question that at all. I have to say, John, I, I, I came, I came out to Chickasha, uh, three, I came out cause I was taking a course, a continuum in the Oklahoma city. And, and I visited with you. Uh, I remember one, it was over a summer pretty much. I came out every month and, uh, and watched your kid play football and, and you had some events with the community. And, and, uh, I have to say that, uh, at least in Chickasha and, and Oklahoma City too, um, the people in Oklahoma they they get that they're like some of the nicest people you could ever meet. I mean, I've been all over the country and I don't know maybe maybe there was just maybe I was just lucky, but I just have to believe that uh, being in Oklahoma is, is a is a really nice place to practice because the people are so darn nice and please and thank you is still taught there. Um, and on the one hand that's great, but on the other hand. Um, in your practice, that means it doesn't stand out as much. So you have to work that much harder to be extra uh, polite and, uh, and, and taking care of people the way you guys do. Well, those doctors and team leaders that are listening right now, um, 
you you want your team to be successful. You want your practice to be successful. I hope that from from this podcast, it you you turn around and your practice uh, jumps up 10, 20, 30 percent by implementing these things. Don't don't foo foo this away. You know you you know th- these these highly successful people that I've been around. Um, some some of them are are involved in multi multi million dollar deals in dentistry, um, industries in dentistry, businesses, uh, and and they're just genuinely nice as can be, um, and and they're very driven. Don't get in their way, but they're going to give you the time, and that's how I need to be with my patients. I don't care how busy I am when I walk in with that patient. They're there to listen to me and, um, and, and, you know, I owe it, I owe it to them and I owe it to my team. And so, uh, uh, one other thing I've got to mention about the, the different mentors I've, I've, I've always something, and I know we've already hit on this, but my, the, the mentors that I've, I've dealt with, and some of them played such a very, very strong part in my life. Dr. Tony Fex, one of them, uh, with Sunrise Dental, uh, Matt, you're one of them. I, uh, uh, there's there's a bunch of people um, in Oklahoma City. There's a bunch of them uh, through, throughout the throughout. The, you have Doctor Doctor Pete Dawson. Oh my gosh, he was incredible. I spent a lot of time with him. But when I think about my mentors, um, they all seem to understand the value of having a good attitude, the value of of their team and their culture. And how their attitude and their team and their culture directly affects practice productivity. Do not miss this. Your attitude every single day you walk into that. There was a commercial with Tom Brady. Matt, do you remember it? It was Tom Brady working out. And all Tom said was every single day. So at first he's, he's working out in the summertime. And he says every single day. And then there's two of them. And then he says every single day, and then there's four of them. And Tom Brady says every single day, and there's eight and 16 and 32 and 64 and 128. And it's what he's doing every single day. Right. And here he is like, I think he's like 102 now and still playing football because it's what he does every single day. What you do, these doctors and you team leaders that are listening to this, what you do every single day, your team knows you. They know your heart. You, you may fake it for one, one, one patient on a good day, but what you do every single day affects the attitude, the team, the culture, and it ultimately affects the practice productivity. And, and are you open to changing? Yeah. If you are, you can change it right now. Wrap your head around this during this coronavirus nonsense. It's going, I shouldn't say nonsense. That's not, I didn't mean it like that. That come out wrong. This coronavirus thing that's affecting us all it's a lot of confusion and you can get caught up sort of in that whirlwind it it is it's like turn everything off go sit on the back porch and start thinking about the vision of your practice start thinking about the vision of your family and what is it that you want to do for the next six months and guess what matt we're going to get a green light and we're some of us are going to be like like at the drag strip some of us are going to be right there and and you know think of it this way when that light turns green, are you going to be ready to hit the gas and take off? Or are you going to have to stop and turn the car on? Maybe go check the battery. Um, um, maybe you hit reverse instead of first gear. Um, you know, what are you doing right now to get ready? And the, you know, the, the, and you can actually those guys you can that, think about doing some of these things and going for that is, is it's always better to have a momentum going. So, so if, if, as, as we go through this crisis and you start thinking, okay, there's the starting line, but if, if you can sort of get, start running before the start line, instead of, uh, like you say, hitting the gas, just waiting to hit the gas. But if you actually got something, some momentum going, it's easier to get going from some momentum. So yes. once you with that and you're, and you're start engaging your team and it's like, well, when do I, when do I sort of get my team actually back working well? And it might be before you actually see patients just, just to do so. It might be worth it to pay people to just to get, get up and going, have some of these meetings and then get people you, going. You know, that's right. Let, let's throw something out there. What would be wrong? What would be wrong to, uh, what would be wrong to ask your team um, to email you the top three things that make this the best place to work? 
or the top three things that could make this the best place to work? What, what are the three things that would make your job better? You're home now. Think, take, take some time and think about this or ask them, ask your, ask everyone in your office, say, Hey, um, I was on this webinar with this crazy redneck guy from Oklahoma who, who raises cattle and he drives a dually pickup and everybody laughs at him about it. But Hey, what, tell me about the story. And that's right. I drive a dually pickup. I don't care. We raise Angus cattle. I don't care. I'm wearing Wranglers right now. I don't care. But then you, you, you know what you ask your team, this crazy guy was talking about blockages. What blockages do we have at the office? What blockages do we have at our practice? What blockages do you have with your position, with your job description? I'm the doctor. I'm the owner doctor. I want to help you. How? What are your blockages? And give me some things you that I can help you with. To Don't just have them. This isn't a gripe session, Matt. Right. This isn't tell me your blockages and now they're my problem. No, 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 no name three blockages and name three solutions to those blockages. See, that's being proactive. That's hitting the gas pedal now, even though the coronavirus has slowed us down. Right. And we've talked a lot about culture and that's something I used to poo-poo for many years. Uh, I just thought it was kind of fluffy stuff. And um, I, I think another thing that you could work on with your staff uh, realistically is who are we? Um, that would be an interesting question to ask. Um, you know, I love put, it. Put down some things. Who, who are we? Uh, just put some things there. And, and you know, I used, I used to, when I first did this thing, I'm a Boy Scout, I'm an Eagle Scout, and, and you go through the, the Scout thing, just trustful, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind of being brave, clean, and reverent, uh, which I still remember this day. And, and those are all uh, values um, you know, that the Boy Scouting teaches, but those are all the same types of things that you can throw out there to, to your team. You know, who are we? Are, 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 we, are we trustworthy? Are, are, we, are, we, are we loyal to each other? Um, you know, can, can, can you count on us to do things? Just throw out a bunch of adjectives and, and then narrow it down to six or eight of them. And all of a sudden, you've got your culture. Uh, mm, that's and, good. Um, and those, those kind of exercises would be a good thing. Um, and, then, and then going forward, as you're going through these things, you say, well, what does culture matter? Well, yeah, you all feel good and you're working together, but... But when we were talking about when you hire somebody, you know, I said you find someone who's smart and, and someone who has uh, a great attitude. But as you're hiring and, and, you're, and you're talking to this person, does this person fit into those core values that you, that you stated? You know, are they are do they seem like an honest person? Uh, you know, you can be smart and have a great attitude, but dishonest. Uh, so. You know these kind of things that that you want to know, and 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 as you're going on, and and there's trouble, and one employee struggling. Well, is that employee struggling because they're stepping out of bounds within your culture? So, um, so make no mistake about it. That is something that you can definitely work on right now, and uh, and I think it'd be cool uh, and probably enlightening to just ask your team. Um, you know, John, I love it that you're you're sort of surveying your team and asking your team because. You know, doctors were always micromanaging and say, do this, do that. And why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? And your team is just crying to help. I mean, inside they're crying that they, they wish that they could contribute. And, uh, and you just can't believe the powerful things that can come out of your team um, if you let them. And, John, you hit the nail on the head. They need to feel safe um, in their environment to be able to share those kind of things. That's good. That, that I, I mean, that's, that's good stuff. I think we got to, we, we've got to do another two or three podcasts. Just talk about everything <laughs> you've, you've come up with. That's good. Just so, just so listeners know, John and I go on for hours and hours all the time. And, and, uh, and we solve each other's problems a lot of times. And, and sometimes we just uh, need to hear each other say things that we know is right. And, uh, and, uh, I'm glad you're on this podcast, especially, uh, uh with John, cause John is just a wealth of knowledge and, and uh, you know, he, he, he knows how to share these things and he's the real deal. Um, well, Matt, thank you. I, I, it's been fun. It, it has been a lot of fun. I have one last, last, last thing I, okay. I, I've got to talk about. Okay. Is that, do we have just yes. one second? Go ahead. Okay. So when I think about someone like Tiger Woods, the best golfer in the world, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think about what, what is it that you would consider a secret What's a secret that all high-producing dentists know? And then I go back to Tiger Woods, 
And I think about Tiger Woods from the standpoint of he's the number one golfer in the world. He's at the top of his game. And of course, this is quite a ways back. And what does he do? He gets a, gets a new coach and he changes his swing. He's looking for that edge. And maybe he thought that his old swing was holding back some. I don't, I don't know. But can you imagine being the number one player on planet Earth and making a major change because you want to get better? Right. Now, how many of you doctors listening to this right now are complacent or satisfied? And so when I think about something that all high producing dentists know is they got to have a coach, whether it's me calling you bouncing ideas off of you, or um, of course, I'm a huge fan of Sunrise Dental Solutions and and I know you are too, but this is something that um, we all need. I don't care if you're Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan, or you think about it this way, you think about Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson had an awesome run. Well, my grandfather loved Mike Tyson, but I mean, he was a boxing, my grandfather loved boxing, but he talked about how good uh, Mike Tyson was and his corner man's uh, last name was Rooney. And think about being in the fight of your life. You're the number one boxer in the world. And every time the bell rings, you go in there and fight. But the next time the bell rings, what do you do? You go sit down and you get advice. And that coach coaches you and that coach tells you, hey, based off of what I've been analyzing, you need to do this or you need to do that. When he when he when he jabs with his left, the uppercuts open or he's he's getting in the body blows. And so you have to have a coach and all so many doctors think they can do it by themselves. But you think about the top athletes in the world. Um, you know, I, I loved watching boxing or MMA or, or I'm I just a sports nut period, but they all have a coach. They all have a mentor. And for me, Sunrise Dental Solutions, I, I've been with the group since its beginning. I know you have too, Matt, but it's just a great group of people. Um, and so I have a coaching call uh, on a monthly basis and that's a check-in that's like in between rounds. Right. And that, that, that helps me get ready for the, for the next month or, or, or sometimes I'm in the middle of the fight and I can't see the blockage or I can't see the problems. I'm in the middle of the battle and there's something going on behind me that the numbers are saying, but I don't see them. Right. Do you agree with that? Right. Oh yeah. And that's where the coach does. Yeah, that, well, ev- all, all these big, big name uh, uh, offices or practices that are in the top, I mean, they're, these practices are in the top 0.1%. They're better than 99.9% of the practices out there. This is who I'm talking about. And they all take coaching and mentoring very, very seriously. Absolutely, and, yes. and I, I, you know, we've talked about culture. We've talked about a vision. We talked about the part that the doctor can play. We've talked about blockages, uh, different types of systems, but don't, don't overlook the fact that everybody needs a ring man. Everybody needs somebody that's that slaps you around and throws cold water on you, and, or a cut man when you get cut. You know they're 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 helping you out, and and you know we all have good months and bad months, and 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 that's that's what a coach or a mentor does. Don't think if you're listening to this, if you have any questions, call me or call Matt. By all means, we're here to help yes. because because if I help you, I get the most out of it. If Matt helps you, Matt gets more out of it than you do. And so on the big scheme of things, that's what this is all about. The more people I can help, the better I'm going to be with my practice, the better dentist I'm going to be, the better leader, the better mentor I'm going to be. And uh, and so I'm, I'm kind of beating that to death, Matt. I'm crazy, well, it's, well, it's, it's crazy true, about it. It's true. And it's, it's, it goes back to what I mentioned earlier about uh, servant leader, leadership is that um, if you are focused on helping other people to get what they want, um, all that stuff really comes back to you um, tenfold. I mean, it just is incredible. Um, I just, I can't believe, um, you know, how how many benefits there are to helping other people. And and I've been so grateful through my whole career, even before I became a dentist. I just visiting dentists that you know said, hey, come on in, let me show you some things. Um, and, you know, at the time I saw, well, this is really great for me, but you're right. It was really great for them too. Um, and really that, that having that kind of servant mentality will help you go far and, and not just far, but reach that top level that you were just talking about, that 0.1%. Um, it sounds crazy, but it's true. 
It is true. Matt, I got to say one thing. We had a, we, we were sitting down with the team leaders the other day. We've had 11 people come through our practice and become hygienists. We've had three people come through and become doctors. Now, two of them were dentists, and one of them, he became a vet. He was either going to do dentistry or veterinarian medicine. But our doors are open. If we can help these kids any way possible. Now, do some of those hygienists work for me? Yes. Do most of them work for me? No. Right. No, not yet. We're not that big yet. Right. But, uh, you know, one, we've got one one kid in dental school now, and another one just graduated. And we're out in the middle of nowhere. And these are local kids that that had a desire and so we started coaching them and mentoring them and helping them. And, you know, he who teaches learns. And, yes. and so I, I, I just think pouring into your team and, and um, pouring into the community is, is, is very, very um, exponentially helpful. Right. Well, uh, man, this has been a jam-packed hour and then a few minutes. Um, John, thank you so much. And, yes, we'll definitely get back to, together on another podcast and maybe focus down on a few of these things. Um, but for right now, um, I would listen to this more than once because John had a lot of great points and get to work on things uh, before you have to get back into your clinic. John, thanks again so much. Uh, take care of yourself and your family, and we'll talk to you again soon. Uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Dental Master Series, a periodic podcast on timely and stimulating topics for the success-driven dentist. You can find more Dental Master Series podcasts at sunrisedentalsolutions.com or by searching for the Dental Master Series on your favorite podcast app. The Dental Master Series was created by Sunrise Dental Solutions, an exclusive community of highly successful practicing dentists who have succeeded through different paths, working as a group, to meet the collective needs of their clientele. To learn more about how Sunrise Dental Solutions can optimize your practice and assist you in defining and achieving your vision, call 1-800-750-0737 or visit sunrisedentalsolutions.com.